Yo, 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 it's OKC82. Oh my goodness, we're back. It's been a day, Brady. It has been a day, and it's still continuing. It is 11 o'clock at night. The second round has just about ended. The Thunder get a player with a name that needs no pronunciation guide and a deal in the second round. Cassius who? Anybody? Top of your head? Nobody? Nobody on this beat? Nope. Nope. Not a single person. Mm-hmm. Cassius Winston. Cassius Winston. Everybody else, we're going to need a pronunciation guide. But rest assured, you're listening to OKC82, so we're going to do our best to uh, keep you abreast <laughs> on all things Thunder Draft. Now, like I said, it is 11 o'clock. Sam Presti does technically have a press conference in the next few hours. Uh, we reached out to the Thunder PR, and they're assuming that Presti will take his time basically to talk to the press later on so we could have a second podcast but i'm going to assume guys probably not because of the way the nba rules are structured sam presti can't really talk about what transpired today because of trades and when trades become official which will be on sunday so there's not that much to look forward to with sam presti but let's do our best guys i'm brady trantham christine butterfield to my right ryan chapman in front of me your OKC82 podcast host from here on out. Let's do our best to kind of go back all the way to the beginning of this draft. So the Thunder have the 25th pick, the 28th pick, and a whole bunch of rumors about how they want to jump up in the draft. And you heard names like uh, Aaron Neesmith from Vanderbilt, the very talented shooter. LaMilla Ball was always kind of like a home run. Like the Thunder could be the one team that jumps all the way up into the lottery, and they're the big splash in this in this year's draft. And then maybe a handful of other reports for other random players. But the basic crux of the whole thing was the Thunder are looking to move up. And then about, I think, two, two or three picks have got, had gone off the board, at least from Woj and Shams. And then all of a sudden we see this thing about how the Thunder are looking to trade Ricky Rubio, the 25th and the 28th pick, to jump up eight spots to the 17th pick. And uh, Ryan, I'll start with you. That was shocking to me because I assumed Ricky Rubio would be a part of this team for this year at the very least because of all the things we've already talked about. He's good, not that good to jump you into the playoffs, good for the development of the team, Good for everything that we know about SGA. So not just trading Ricky Rubio, but the rest of your first round picks to jump up eight spots to eventually draft, and we'll get to him in a second, to eventually to essentially draft a pro- a project was shocking to me. And I, I'm curious, Ryan, do you think Sam Presti had this in mind before the draft started that he would do this? I, I think that he had in mind he would move up. I'm not sure that Ricky Rubio was going to be involved because the the other name that w- the Thunder had been rumored to draft is Alexei Pokashevsky, who he you know the Thunder will eventually at some point once all the ink dries he will be a Thunder player. The buzz on that was another team that was really interested was Denver at 22. So I had thought that the Thunder were going to have to jump above 22, but like you said, like. You don't need to use both draft picks and Ricky Rubio to simply move above 22. Um, we all, had all kind of assumed that Danny Green would not ever, or at least I had assumed that Danny Green would never actually put on Oklahoma City uniform before the draft even started. That became a thing as he's now headed to Philly. 
Kelly Oubre was another guy that could have been in that. Ricky Rubio was not the guy that the Thunder have acquired that I had pin, uh, you know, earmarked as this. This guy's not going to play in Oklahoma City for all the reasons that you said. And I, I think that uh, Shea's future with this franchise is as a combo guard in the in the secondary ball handler. So Ricky Rubio would be a, a, the perfect stopgap to continue his development where Shea can play in that role and not have to be uncomfortable. Now with Ricky Rubio gone. It, like, are you going to rely on a second-round pick to come in and be your starting point guard? I don't think so. So th- I think that kind of alters what we expected out of um, this franchise and what Shea Gilles Alexander could be. But, Christine, like, if that's where this team is, e- even if we've we've talked about, like, Cade Cunningham, stuff like that next year, do you think that it could be a huge detriment and this is going to throw off the Thunder's grand roadmap if, if Shea has to be the primary ball handler for an entire year, Christine? I kind of do. You know, I didn't see enough from Shea last season to believe that he could really step into that role full time for the Thunder. I think he showed a lot of glimpses of hope. I think, you know, in certain games, he could be the main ball handler, the main guy, the main leader. But that's when you had Chris Paul kind of handling some of the pressure there. So it just seemed like when things were going good, he was able to just play off of that energy and then take more of it in stride. But I don't know if he can be that guy game in, game out, every game of this season. It's going to be a long season. And I don't know if he's really ready to handle all of that on his own yet. And so I think that's where Ricky Rubio is going to be essential for the Thunder. And that's why, you know, Sam Presti did not see him moving away. I kind of saw it coming a little bit just based off of his initial reaction. You Rubio's know? initial reaction? Yeah, and Rubio's initial reaction to the move, uh, to the trade. I was like, I I could see this playing out like, you know, a lot of NBA players these days are kind of dramatic about where they go and who they play with. So No. Yeah, crazy take, I know. Some might say extra. Oh, a lot. So was Is Ricky Rubio uncapped? No mm-hmm. cap. No cap, sorry. No cap. No cap. As Kyler Murray would say. Yes, my, my non-NBA player is showing. No. Yeah. I, I think big picture-wise, you know, for the Thunder fans out there, like, what does this ultimately mean? Because they drafted a bunch of players whose names I can't pronounce. I've never seen anything on them because they didn't play in America, like, for college or whatever. Like, I get all that. I don't think that this ultimately takes away from the Thunder's ultimate trajectory like we talked about it in the last podcast, how next year it's going to be like the Cade Cunningham hype train for this fan base once the draft creeps closer and closer. I think that that's the way that they're ultimately wanting to go. I think what this just does, I mean, for our, from our standpoint and from a fan standpoint, is this team's just not going to be very good this year because if Rubio's gone, then Kelly Oubre and Al Horford don't have really any place on this team. I don't know why they would play. I don't know why they, A, want to play here, and B, what Sam Presti and the Thunder would ultimately want to use them for other than just trade bait. Their trade value is not going to be higher than it is right now. Maybe Kelly Oubre, if he balls out, if he indeed plays for the Thunder. Uh, Al Horford is what he is. Teams know what he is. Uh, I, I think this just makes the Thunder that much more likely to get Cade Cunningham of their own merit because if SGA is running the, running the show, look, we think SGA is a phenomenal player, but I think we all agree he's just not there in terms of, at least yet, in terms of running the team 90% of the time handling the ball by himself. And then having another second-round pick be the backup point guard or the starting point guard, 
Uh, Ty Jerome, who was brought over from Phoenix in the Chris Paul trade, he's a 6'5 point guard who's still developing in his own right. I mean, the Thunder are clearly going to have to go after some below-average vet point guard to just make sure SGA doesn't have to handle the ball all the time. So this will just make the team a lot worse. <laughs> and so from our standpoint, since we have to watch them every night, it won't be as fun. I was I was looking forward to watching R- Ricky Rubio on this team. I was looking forward to watching him up with SGA and then potentially Kelly Oubre finding a spot on this team. And then, of course, Al Horford. But now, like Christine, like, I don't see any reason why those two vets should be on this team moving forward. I feel like they should be traded yesterday at this point. I don't know if I agree with that. You know, I I do believe that there could be a scenario where they play and they are able to teach kind of, you know, Darius Baisley, SGA, Lou Dort, a lot of skills that they can use in the next couple of years and they could be traded a year after that. I don't think that their drafts or their, you know, trade stock would go down after this season for playing with the Thunder, especially if they need to shoulder on that kind of that pressure of being the leader, being the veteran and taking on more than they probably have in a while for their teams. And if Al Horford, sorry, if Al Horford stays, I think it would be a really exciting, you know, change for the Thunder after everything that, you know, Steven Adams has kind of done for the Thunder. I think they kind of need someone like Al Horford to kind of ignite them a little bit. And I do believe that Kelly Oubre would work well in the system that they have and the style of basketball that they play. But I don't know. What do you think, Ryan? So the talk with Kelly Oubre will be, can he come in and put in a good first couple of months of the year so the Thunder can flip him at the deadline to a contender but the second the season starts, the Thunder have no leverage. Everyone, It's very apparent that Al Horford, if he cares, if he gives a single damn about winning games in the twilight of his career, he does not want to be in Oklahoma City. Yeah. Plus, you have a contract that is a bitch to move. It's an albatross. Yeah. Kelly Oubre doesn't have that contract thing, expiring deal, cool, awesome. But again, everyone knows, everyone in the league now knows Kelly Oubre doesn't want to play an iota of basketball in Oklahoma City if he's looking for competitive basketball. So for if I actually think unless Kelly Oubre is playing at an all-star level, which no, there's not going to be a hype train around him because of how bad this Thunder team is going to be. I, I don't think the Thunder are going to have the leverage to flip these guys, which yeah. is which was not Sam Presti's plan at all. Al Horford, I don't think was going to get flipped, but I think that Sam Presti really had a. An idea of you bring in Ricky Rubio, things are good, awesome, cool, you, and you try to get what you can for a Danny Green, for a Kelly Oubre. So, I, so that's where I think it's interesting. But guys, I, I I will say this: you're looking for a veteran point guard off the waste pile. I don't know what Turkey's doing right now, but Shamas Christian, I, I, you think he'd come back from Tofas? Run it back. I mean, at this point, I mean, I asked you guys: Is DJ Augustine still in the league? Is he still playing for Orlando? We'll I think so. I think so. No, Chisholm Holland brought this up earlier today to me, and I'll put out some video clips of our little silly Zoom thing that we did during the draft, um, probably tomorrow on Twitter. But I wonder if Ricky Rubio just straight up called Sam Presti the second that trade went down and said, I'm not playing one second in Oklahoma City, therefore forcing Presti's hand to not kind of view Rubio as he's a great stop stopgap point guard in between Chris Paul and then ultimately SGA then whoever else the Thunder draft in the future 
Um, he helps the development of the team, the competitiveness, all the things that we talked about in the previous episode. But because he's like, no, I'm not playing. I don't want to play. Presti's then kind of forced to, well, damn it, I've, I'm losing leverage because if you have to give up your rest of your first round picks in this draft and then you lose leverage, like you said, Ryan, for Kelly Oubre, now Horford. Um, but, I mean, at the end of the day, like like I said earlier, this doesn't ruin the ultimate trajectory after this season because the Thunder have a, they have way too many assets as it is. So anything that they were going to get from Al Horford, Kelly Oubre, whoever else, it was just going to be a bonus. Uh, but I, I would just assume that it's, it's probably – Presti right now is probably – very disappointed, not necessarily from the the draft picks that he had to pick, but basically because of what his team could potentially look like in the in the absolute short term. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on the Ricky Rubio thing. Like, I believe that the second he figured out he was going to the Thunder, he called up Sam Presti. He's like, listen, bro, not going to happen. So you better trade me now while you can figure something out before the draft. In Spanish, though. Mm. In the Spanish. Wish I could just translate that real quick, but I can't. Tragic, I know. But well. but yeah, no, I that's exactly what I think happened too. And that's why I don't think that, you know, you can flip for Horford or for Ubre at this point. What else what else are you gonna The only thing that can potentially give the Thunder something I don't I don't even know what this would would I don't know what you would get out of this, but Clay Thompson's injury, which apparently is fairly significant. Could Golden State be a little bit more desperate and also in the running for Kelly Oubre? Because he makes sense on, on Golden State, but I just don't know what Golden State gives Oklahoma City. Well, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, too, especially when Golden State is the one that enters in. You know that Oubre is going to say, well, hell yeah, come in. And if you flash in the playoffs, like Oubre is going to make a, a, a ton of money or go wherever he wants to go. So it's one of those things that, is, especially with um, – the Wiseman pick, like I, I don't think that you're gonna. Yeah, if they had, if you're they not gonna got, pry that, right? Because you already got um, Alex, Alex, Alexi, Pokoshevsky, Pokoshevsky, Pokoshevsky. Let's just, it's just Poku. Yeah. So according, so apparently with hold that on, pick, hold on. actually, actually, the Thunder have allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly set their sights and, and intend to at some place a target on send send a carrier pigeon in the general direction of the player who goes by the name Alexei Pokushevsky. Who's lo- currently located in the Greek somewhere among the border of Greece. Allegedly. Perhaps. Allegedly. Shout out Woj. Yeah, the rumor is. No, um, Alexei Pokushevsky. There you go. Seven-foot-tall, big center. We'll get to him in a second. Uh, but, yeah, if the Warriors had drafted anybody else besides Wiseman, maybe the Thunder could potentially find their way into maybe getting, because of Golden State's all-of-a-sudden desperation, maybe you can get whoever they ended up drafting, but Wiseman doesn't fit on this Thunder roster as is with what the Thunder right. drafted. So. I don't know. Short term, it's just going to make our jobs a little bit more boring because it's just not going to be as competitive or as fun of a team um, as it stands right now and where I think it's going in the next few days, few weeks. So um, there's still the Danil Gallinari signing trade factor out there. Who knows what that can do? We'll get there when we get there. So I guess let's get into the draft picks, everybody. Woo! So when the Thunder Lego. did, when the Thunder did jump up to 17, they take. Alexei Pokushevsky, 
And I don't know how well-versed you guys are in him, you two. Um, I'll basically just, whoever wants to talk first, go ahead and scream into the microphone. But I'll just throw out some bullet points. Uh. I'll just throw out some bullet points. (laughs) All right. Like I said, seven foot tall, big. He can do basically anything. He can handle the ball. He can shoot the ball. He can pass. He can run the floor. He can rebound. He has all the attributes that you would want out of a 2020-2021 like NBA prototype stretch five, stretch big. And that's, of course, projecting his absolute ceiling. He is a project, absolutely, because he plays in a very, very bad European league. But Brady, Giannis Giannis came from the league. Giannis Antetokounmpo had the same kind of thing with him where, yeah, he's got all these tools. And if he grows into his body and also develops as a basketball player, you could have something very exciting and very good. And, of course, Giannis became what he is now, a two-time reigning MVP. But the big problem with Alexei Pokushevsky is he is seven seven foot tall and 200 pounds. Yeah. You look at one picture of him, he is skinny. He is scrawny. So, Steven Adams, if he's still a part of this team, I'm sure Presti is like, you need to teach him your ways. You need to teach him you're going to eat two or three appetizers before your meal and then two desserts. And then you're going to go run gassers the next morning. Yeah. No, you had to put on major weight on this guy. Like, looking at his body, I'm so scared for his ankles in this league. I'm just scared that like any player could poke him and something will break because he just looks so small. And that, I think, is going to be the biggest detriment to him when he enters the NBA. I don't think his body is going to be really prepared to go up against these big guys because, let's face it, I mean, he's seven foot. He has a big wingspan, which obviously we know the Thunder are prone to, you know, it's just kind of like my precious. They have to get that ring in. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's like their perfect draft pick in the sense of how tall he is in his wingspan. But when you think about who he's going to be guarding, he's not going to be able to body up against these guys. So he's going to really have to put on some weight, some muscle, before he starts going up against anyone like that. So I am excited to see how he how he plays and his playmaking ability. I'm excited to see if he can use his footwork and his body control to kind of get around the fact that he can't go, you know, like one for one against um, any of these like really big players. But ultimately I do think his weight is going to be a big issue. Thankfully he's got time because he's quite literally the youngest draft eligible player in this draft. He's not 19 years old yet. I believe he turns 19 in December, right on on the eve of the season starting. So just by aging, he's going to, fill out a little bit more right and uh, so that's the positive and and like we said you know he's got time to learn and th- this is the reason why Mark Dagnall was hired because he he's going to be a developer of talent things like that yes here is my big concern with just putting on the weight and, and it's really unfortunate um look there the NBA was trying to run two different zoom rooms people getting handed off and and Alexi's obviously not in the U.S. right now making the time difference awkward, but I really wanted to ask him, is there any concern? Because his his biggest thing right now is he's a big that plays like a wing. Great. Yeah. But if you put on the 30 pounds you're going to need to put on to even be competitive in, in the position you're, that you're playing right now, what it, like I, I'd be concerned what that's 
that's going to do to his athleticism and his quickness and his ability to, you know, quote unquote, be a seven foot wing. So I, that that's kind of what I'm interested to see how how they do that because I think that to a lesser extent, like Darius Baisley's in a similar boat that I still think that he needs to put on um, a, a little bit of a little bit of thick, but uh, you would hate to to put that on at the risk of losing that quickness and that athleticism that that's made made Darius so exciting. So it'll be really interesting to see. Again, he's just 19 years old basically by the time the season starts, though. So um, look. Uh, he, he, he can't expect him to be good in the next two or three years, I feel like. like It's going to be someone that matures right about when the rest of the core is maturing. So uh, a long-term project pick who hopefully, I guess, can be exciting for the fan base while this team loses a lot of games. And, and like you said, Brady, uh, after tonight, this Thunder team is much closer to earning Cade Cunningham by merit than by having to package a whole bunch of picks. And, and in, yeah. in the long run... That might be that might be better for him if even if say they bought him out at six, the price to go from six to one is not as high as having to go from ten to one. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. Just for some, because I just I just had to look this up to remember, but just for some extra clarity as to just how skinny uh, Pokusheski is. So eighteen years old, ju- just a hair over two hundred pounds. Kristat Porzingis. Right now is 240, 250, 250 right now. And he's put on weight. Does anybody remember how much he weighed as a very skinny Euro coming to the New York Knicks? He was yeah. 223 pounds. So. So. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's a so he's big got, uphill battle for this dude. Yeah. So here, my, my fear about a project type player like this on a team that we are now projecting as much worse than we thought going into today is he's going to have a lot of opportunity to play, which you can say that that's good, which also increases his chances to fail. And at that age, at that weight, that could be detrimental. Yeah. And will this draft ultimately di- dictate how well the Thunder are and ne- how good they are in the next few years? No, because we all knew this was a bad draft. And everything that the Thunder are doing is basically just a gigantic bonus on top of next year's draft, the year after that. And hopefully by then the Thunder have a better understanding of where they're going and where they are. And the, comp- and the competitiveness of the team just grows, not just because of getting vet point guards or vet power forwards through trades, but because of SGA, Darius Baisley, all these young guys taking leaps. But, you know, you want, if you're going to go after a project five, stretch five, stretch big, whatever, I mean, that's been a problem with the Thunder. They haven't had that in their arsenal since they've been a franchise, and basically since it's been a thing over the last handful of years to have a stretch five. Um, they would rather have it work now because it's one of the toughest things to find. Like it's really easy to find a combo guard. It's really easy to find a wing that can handle the ball. They just kind of grow on trees at this point in time, but, um, it's better to hit on it now, but I'm just afraid what a team of a bunch of young guys with no real competitive thing to play for anymore. If they indeed trade their two remaining vet good players, then, uh, I mean, guys like Pokushevsky could unfortunately get like David Card out of the league. I, here's my only thing, though. So, this team is in no rush to win now, obviously. If the roster stays as it is, you're going to have Darius Baisley, who I th- 
I would hope that the new coaching regime is more willing to roll him out as a five because I think that is where the league is going. I think that's where uh, the Thunder could maximize his athletic ability if, if he can handle the physicality down there. So you've got Baisley, you've got Al Horford, you've got Steven Adams. Like I don't necessarily think that Pokashevsky is going to be needed to go even play 10 minutes a night. Like I, I think this could be a season where you work on his body and he's going to get the hell beat out of him in practice by Steven Adams and Al Horford and I think that's a very different situation where he can still take it as I'm learning, um, I'm developing, things like that. And he's not getting roasted. He's not getting all this film put out on him night in, night out by the, the grown-ass men across the league. So I don't necessarily think um, Thunder fans should expect him to come in and play 10 to 15 minutes a night. And I don't think that that's really like I, I'm not ready to label him a, a bust. I don't know if you can label a, a, someone in the back half of the first round a bust really but it's just one of those things where the Thunder will be in no rush to, to give him huge minutes and and yes it's a very valid concern but I'm not sure that his rookie year is when he would necessarily have that happen to him I, I think he's just gonna get his ass kicked by Steven Adams day in and day out honestly well yeah if the like you said Ryan if the roster stays as it is there is no point in playing him more than like you said 10 minutes a night because you already have all those big strong veteran players that you can put in at that spot or you can you know make up subsequent you know pieces there I just you know just based on his body type it's just hard for me to see a point where he can excel after like you know I would have to really see him after this season after he's gone through a year of practice after he's gone through all these workouts and see how that's affected his game because you know, he could be quick and he could be agile now, but after he puts on that weight, you don't know how that's going to affect his game, like you said. And then is is he still that guy? Is he still that player that can yeah. go in and out what, the way you want him to? So for him, he's just a big question mark for me. I would say, like, I mean, I would say, because we've been rather, not necessarily critical, we've been kind of down on this pick, not necessarily because of what we think of him as a player, but because of his physical attributes and what the Thunder are doing now as a team in the short term. But if we're going to, if you're going to draft a player like this, you're drafting him for a certain type of ceiling and a certain type of vision. So here's what Sam Presti's probably thinking, like best case scenario, if you can get a five, a stretch big, and Pokushevsky who can rebound, run the floor, shoot, pass, do everything him along with Darius Baisley who can do a lot of the same things that's a very good front court yeah and then we all know what SGA is we all kind of have an understanding of what his ceiling is I think his absolute ceiling is not of an MVP but maybe an all NBA type player so we're talking top 15 top 20 player in the league and then hopefully in the next few drafts you're able to find maybe an MVP type player or maybe just another, oh, God forbid, another all-NBA type player, and you just have a versatile roster of guys who can do everything and just have a deep team that way. Um, and then maybe you can trade for a super, like a, a, some type of superstar in the next few years with all these trade assets that you have or draft assets that you have. So um, I think absolute best-case scenario, you could potentially see a very entertaining front court. And this is from a franchise that has always had – a front court that's been at best good, but always a step behind of where the league was, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the biggest problems I think the Thunder have had is every time they've tried to build something, they've been 
a step behind. If you've heard me say it once, you've heard me say it a million times. Initially, the first wave of Thunder basketball was building to beat the Kobe Bryant Pau Gasol Lakers. And then once they got over that hump, the challenge they had waiting for them in the finals was the LeBron James Heat. Once they figured out, okay, you know, rebuild, retool, all that stuff, you're now dealing with the Warriors. So, like, they've always been a step, step and a half behind. So, if you're going to do the rebuild, you might as well do it right and try to project what the future is. And all I hope, honestly, is for there to be a cohesive identity from Thunder Basketball. Because I feel like it's always been we're going to have a versatile roster, and then in a playoff matchup, we're just going to try and play matchups with whoever we're playing, which is fine and it's great, but I feel like the best teams have this is Thunder basketball. This is, um, you know, not the best example with the Lakers this year, but LeBron, like LeBron teams always have an identity of him running that. The Warriors obviously have a very easy brand of basketball to identify. I just I just wish that the Thunder would build towards something like that as opposed to just saying we're going to try to just react to everyone and have a have a different, you know, tool in the toolbox to deal with every every challenge that we'll have. So, uh you just have to hope that uh you know, maybe, you know, long and athletic can turn into uh long dynamic playmakers for this uh franchise. Yeah, obviously that's ideal, but you never you never know what's going to happen with the Thunder and like you said Ryan, I never know if they have a clear identity from year to year, and especially going into this year, it seems like it's as shattered as ever. Like there's so many question marks going into this season for the Thunder. I, I have no idea even what to claim their identity as, except as a very young, athletic, developmental team. And that's and that's not you know an identity that you really want to carry with you for very long. So well, better than being old and sucking. disheveled. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's true. Well, Ryan, you actually called the Thunder's second pick of the night. I did. So, uh, so the floor is yours. Yes. Uh, we're going to go to France. Put on your – get out your baguettes, everyone. Theo Maldon. Maldone? No, no. Maldon. Well, it um, depends on what part of France he's from. Yeah, well, there's there's no E with the accent aigu, so it's 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 actually close to Theo Maldo with the, the soft N. Mm. Yeah, um, there you go. But, uh, We're they, learning things on the hero. Shout out, too. shout out, Miss Martin High School French Norman North T Wolves. But look, uh, this is a guy that he had a lot of hype last year. He he was a guy that you know uh, people were projecting that you know top fifteen, top ten guy, and then he kind of fell off the face of the earth. But uh, Christine, you, you talked about earlier, this is another dude six four, but that six eight and a half wingspan gets you that four and a half extra inches. But uh, I, I really think that we could see uh, Maldon get a actual legitimate shot in camp to be the starting point guard of this team if they are hell-bent on keeping Shea as that two and just basically saying that we as a franchise see that Shea Gildas-Alexander is going to be a, a two who's the secondary ball handler for us. If they're hell-bent on keeping him in that role, I, I think Theo could have an actual shot um, to actually start here, he he's kind of got um, good command of the floor, playmaking. Obviously, not gonna throw out Chris Paul comparisons or anything like that. But the dynamic we saw last year was that Chris Paul ran the offense. Christine, you yeah. you said this even when Shea was bringing the ball down the floor and Chris was playing second fiddle. Chris Paul off ball was running the offense. So this is a guy that he, he's comfortable taking command of that. He, he's a decent shooter. Um, Look, like the knock on him is going to be that he is 
not an athletic freak of nature. So this is kind of a a deviation from what we've seen out of Oklahoma City in the past. Usually they say, we're going to go raw, we're going to go athletic, and we'll teach him how to play basketball. This guy's kind of the, the opposite way, is that he's got a pretty decent handle on the game, but he just has some athletic limitations. And, and look, he's been working with Tony Parker. Do with that what you will. But, I mean, if his numbers were extrapolated to, to per 36 numbers, he'd be 15.1 points per game, 5.6 assists. And, uh, look, his, his free throw shooting... That, that would be the thing that concerns me. He's only a 77% shooter, not what you want out of your guard. Um, and we've always said, you know, free throw shooting is probably the best indicator that you probably have as far as projecting how good of a shooter they're going to be, especially when, look, I, I don't know anything about the French League. I don't, I don't know what these numbers mean as far as the competition he's playing, but, you know, no one's no one's up there at the free throw line. So he, he's a guy that he can get hot, but uh, it's a little inconsistent. So something to work through, but... Just his ball handling ability, I, I think he would have a legitimate shot to be the starting point guard, like I said, if they see Shea as we want to keep him in that two-guard range. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned Chris Paul, Ryan, and I think another similarity he has with him is that Chris Paul, you know, he can make these outlandish shots where, you know, if he's off balance or um, if he just, you know, gets a quick flick of the wrist, he has the finesse to make those shots. And apparently, Maldion is the same way, so... You know, you could see some similarities there, and that could help Shea's comfortability with playing with someone like Meldon and then being able to pass the ball back and forth. And if they have the same playmaking ability, the chemistry's there, I could really see him being a good asset for the Thunder and helping, you know, kind of relieve some of the stress of what um, SGA would be taking on as the true point guard, which doesn't seem like Sam Presti or... Uh, Mark Dagano is wanting to do so I, I really do think he could be a strong player for the Thunder if given the chance and seeing how he improves in the not the offseason but in the but in the preseason in the small one in, month camp in that the we're small see. break that they have this, right now this is such a bad time like, can <laughs> for you a, imagine for a for a team that you having to really develop and get into the lab with to only have one month and then games are going to start like yeah this is Okay, we talk about, you know, the Thunder had that really poor start to the season last year, and then they were able they to kind a, of... They had a poor start in terms of winning games. Right. But we all, like, at least I did, I was like, hey, this team is much better than I thought. They're, competi- they're competitive in these games. This team... Except for the Indiana game. This team is going to get run out of the building a few times in the first 10 games. And what does that do for Darius Baisley? What does that do for Lou Dort? What does that do for any of the Thunder draft picks that are able to play for the Thunder? Like, we don't know if these guys are going to play for the Thunder or the Blue. Yeah. So, I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I'm trying my best to inform and to entertain, but I'm assuming that the fan base is rather kind of pooped right now. I, I don't, I don't blame them, but... I think a lot of this was kind of just thrown up in the air because of what Ricky Rubio didn't want to do. So, uh, blame him. Blame Canada. And when he comes to town, I guess, Thunder fans can all get excited to boo him because I I feel like some plans were ruined because of Ricky Rubio. But we're never going to know, and we won't find out later on tonight because Presti can... He can technically talk about Ricky Rubio because he's still a member of the Oklahoma City Thunder because that trade went down. But can't talk about the draft picks. Can't yeah. talk about. You can't even talk about trading away Terrence Ferguson. And, and so, for those of you that are that are confused as to why that 
is the case. So I read a report when the Woj bomb happened of the Horford trade, Danny Green going and uh, Tifer going to Philadelphia for Horford and then a 2025 first rounder and then the, the 34 pick this year. Um, I saw a report that that deal will not be finished until Sunday because for Philly's bookkeeping, they needed it to be in the, the, the league calendar flips this week and they needed it to be in the new year. The Lakers trade with Dennis Schroeder, that can't go final. It couldn't go final because the Lakers already traded away next year's first round draft pick, which meant they couldn't technically trade away this year. So that's why this whole draft, once you get into the teens, is completely screwed as far as everyone's putting on hats that they don't have. ESPN tried to navigate through it, and, and there were a few times that they're like, okay, this player is being drafted by the Thunder when he's actually going to Minnesota or the Knicks or things like that. So because of that, if the Philly trade can't go final until Sunday, that means none of the trades, because it's essentially now a four-team trade. None of them can go final because it's a four-team trade between OKC, um, the Lakers, Minnesota, and, and Philly. So, like you said, Brady, Sam Presti will talk to the media at some point this evening. It is already 11.36 p.m. Um, we've been told, like you said, or you've been told, Brady, that it, it will be late. And, and it'll be interesting to see. We can ask questions about Ricky Rubio. That's about it. Because uh, otherwise, tampering, which... Ugh, like that. That's all. That'll be what's in force, and uh, I don't think that Sam Presti's looking to give away any any money to uh, talk about draft picks that are going to be complete project developmental guys. There's really no need for a post Presti press conference tonight, so I'm going to assume nothing sexy is going to be said tonight, and this is going to be it until. I mean, the age of the Zoom press conference, maybe the Thunder will actually have a press conference introductory for their players once they're officially a part of the team. They didn't do that last year for their draft picks. Um, But because things are a little bit different, maybe they'll do that that way. But Presti will talk tonight, and we won't hear from him again until uh, a day or so before training camp, which is coming up fairly quickly. So we might not even hear from Sam Presti again. Who knows? I don't know. Fun stuff. I was frankly surprised we talked to him when he showed up at the bubble before the season restarted, but oh well. Um, Any other final thoughts on the draft, guys? Any, anything, Christine, anything, Ryan? This, this is, uh, (laughs) look, this, this, this is, is this was a bummer. This was, was the podcast deserving of this draft, though. Like everyone warned you coming in, there were three clear guys at the top of this draft, and in any other draft, they would have been five, six, seven, eight. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say it was disappointing because I would that would mean that I got my hopes up too high, but even my expectations, my low expectations, were not really met. Oh, so. Christine wore that blazer for nothing. She got all dressed up for nothing. True. I'm also upset that uh, the Hawks drafted Okongwu. But I like, was going to bring for, that up. <laughs> this is for a different time. No, let's talk about it. He doesn't fit. Well, they're trying to get Danilo Gallinari. I don't think they care about fit. That's fair. That's fair. They're trying to give up Collins? I guess. Get Thunder fans excited, Ryan. 
John Collins. To the Thunder oh. for Danil Gallinari straight up. Ooh. Talk about no defense, but that's not really a trade-off. You're getting younger, you're getting better scoring, you're getting better looking. and uh, You got my, a crush on him, Ryan? That John Collins uh, Hawks jersey that's somewhere in the mail is probably going to be worthless if that's happening. Or is it worth more? I got a mm. Kenny Stills Dolphins jersey. I ordered it three weeks later. I got it in the mail, and then a week later he was traded to the Texans. That's rough. About 15 years before, I got a Ricky Williams Dolphins jersey for my birthday, and then about a week later, Ricky Williams was out of the league because he wanted to smoke weed. Did you not go uh, with Damian Williams jersey? Well, Damian Williams played for the Dolphins, I think, 13 years later. Did not get one. Well, I So do you just I'm, not buy jerseys anymore because you're jinxed? I didn't for a long time, but I did get a Tua Tonga-Vailoa jersey, and I haven't worn it yet. Waiting for that Super Bowl victory. Breaking news. <laughs> you heard go. it here first. Tua will be moved. Well, actually, they can't. You're you're safe. This is what you should do. You should just wait for the deadline and then buy then, the jersey, yeah. and then you at least are going to be stuck Sam with Presti half the season. Has, has traded for Tua Tonga-Vailoa, but he can't talk about him just yet. So rest exactly. sure we will, we will talk about it once that happens. press conference that will never happen. Exactly. Everybody, we tried our best to entertain and inform. Uh, but if anything else happens along the way, we will reconvene for OKC82. But everybody, thank you so much for listening. Uh, follow Ryan Chapman on Twitter at Radios Ryan, Christine Butterfield on Twitter at CB on Sports, correct? And you can follow me, or you don't have to. Uh, whatever, I'll, I'll post. <laughs> I'll post the link. So, uh, everybody, thank you so much for staying up with us, listening to us on your way to work tomorrow friday it is tomorrow thursday or friday i don't it's know tomorrow thursday. is still thursday for 18 it's, more minutes it's footsketball season it's that time of year tomorrow so. is kyler murray day celebrate yay let's do it everybody have a good time